Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. This administrative ability for Joseph, it didn't just magically appear overnight. God's equipping doesn't come with a snap of his fingers and all of a sudden you have some supernatural power that you didn't have before. There is supernatural equipping for certain miraculous works. God may come upon you, the Holy Spirit may come upon you to heal somebody or to, to, to speak in tongues or to have a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Like there is supernatural equipping in a moment, but the giftings where God will use us in life, these talents, they don't just happen overnight. God's work is, is typically a, a process of years of preparation. The Bible says by reason of use, we exercise our giftings. That putting your gifts and the natural inclinations God's given you, putting them to work, serving other people, then God will develop these things within you and we grow in them. But it's funny because we have this little fantasy in our minds that like, man, there's something, there's something amazing inside, this amazing talent inside me just waiting to burst out. Something I've never developed, I've never actually worked for, but it's in there and it's going to come out one day and the world is all going to see how amazing I am. And I think American Idol proved this. Because you watch, you know, the, the American Idol commercials, I remember watching these commercials, you'd have someone like singing all amazing, you know, and then they'd always throw in those commercials of the, the other ones auditioning who were just singing their hearts out. And they're like, I'm going to get before those judges and I'm going to sing and give them that performance that I give every night in the shower and they're going to know that I'm an amazing vocalist, right? And, and at first when I see those commercials, I'm like, they got to be faking it. Like it's, they're just pretending for entertainment because it's funny, but no, like this is, these are real people. And it's, you got to ask, like, did nobody tell them? Like they got that far and nobody's like, hey, uh, you're not that great, buddy. <laughs> but in their head, they're like, no, I've got this amazing gift that's just going to burst out, right? We have, this, we have this idea that there's just something amazing about us that we never had to, that God never developed. It's just there. But God's work is typically not hasty. He takes time to develop you and to prepare you. And like Joseph, the more faithful, the more disciplined you are to serve the Lord in that area, the more those giftings will be developed. That's how it works more often than not. Until you find yourself standing in a place where God has equipped you over time and now God has opened up a door for you to use that gifting and you step through it and you do something great for the Lord. I remember uh, I got a call. I'm a musician too. I like to play a singer-songwriter. I kind of pursued the music industry for a little while. And I got a call from a, a music promoter to open up for Phil Wickham. Uh, it happened to be here at the church, at my home church, which was cool. But it wasn't like just because I was a pastor here, they let me open up. It was like the promoter called me. Hey, we want you to open up for Phil Wickham. We heard, you know, you got an album out and, you know, a fan base or whatever. So I got to open up for Phil Wickham. And, and the guy was like, uh, the promoter was in the back. And he's like, hey, just don't talk, okay? Just get out there, just play your songs and, and don't talk. And I was like... Okay, and I got out there and I went out there to preach the gospel. I was going to share the gospel, and so I shared the gospel. And I never got a call back from that promoter like, ever again. 
And fast forward into ministry, and I'm standing in front of a, a crowd similar size. It's, the sanctuary's filled, same sanctuary, only now it's a memorial service. And I'm playing music, and I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it fits. It fits. I wasn't there to entertain. And it clicked that day. Like, okay, maybe there's more to, to having a musical gift than pursuing the industry. Maybe God has other things for me. And God had, God's, God's opened up a lot of amazing doors. But it's been years and years of developing things. And I haven't arrived by any stretch of the imagination. But it's been awesome to see God take my equipping and open up a little door for me to do something cool for Him. But that's typically how it works. And that's, that's what we see in Joseph's life. He's been prepared for this moment. Verse 37. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so disturbing or discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. This was a huge deal. He's giving Joseph basically the authority to, to make any command he wanted him to make. He, he wanted to make. He clothed them in garments, fine linen. So again, he's putting on the, the, the coats, putting on the outerwear again, once again. I wonder if he was reluctant to put this jacket on. What's going to happen with this jacket? Right? Because we saw every, every coat he had got him into trouble. So he's putting his outer garments back on. A fine linen. He put a gold chain about his neck. And God, God will take our chains of bondage and sin and He'll put a gold chain around us as sons of royalty, daughters of royalty, right? The Lord does this to us. And He made Him ride in His second chariot. And they called out before Him, bow the knee. Thus He set Him over all the land of Egypt. So, so He gave Him like His Maserati to cruise around town in. And every time you saw that Maserati, you had to kiss the ground. It's Joseph. It's that, you know, it's the second in command. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think of Jesus on his day of exaltation. Philippians chapter 2 tells us it says, Therefore, God, the Father, has highly exalted Jesus. He's given Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Every single knee will bow. And every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has been exalted. It says He is at the right hand of the Father right now. But it's, His exaltation is obscure to the world. The, Jesus' glory has not yet been revealed to the world. But guys, let me tell you, a day is coming. A day is coming when everyone will see Him in His glory. And on that day, every individual will fall to the ground and worship Him, whether they want to or not. They will not be able to keep themselves from it. And guys, as a believer, that's going to be an amazing day of rejoicing. Man, to see Him in His glory and just fall before Him and be like, that's my King, that's my Lord, that's the guy that I wanted to live for. I told you guys, I told you He was amazing. 
It's going to be this incredible moment to see Jesus in His glory. But let me tell you, for the unbeliever, for those who mock Jesus and reject Jesus, it's going to be a day of dread. Because they will see Jesus for all that He is. And it will be too late to put faith in Him. And their knees will give out for fear of the image of the line of the tribe of Judah. Just the appearance of Jesus in His glory will buckle their knees. We've said it, we talked about it last week, but Jesus will either be your hero or your nemesis, your enemy. He'll either be your Savior or He'll be your judge. There is no middle ground. So why reject this Jesus who has come to you? He's come to you right now as a Lamb of God. Gentle, meek, lowly in heart. Demonstrating His love for you. But for those who reject it, He will return as the Lion of the tribe of Judah to devour. He is, he is a fierce lion. And you don't want to meet Jesus in that, in that nature, in that regard. You want to receive Him before it's too late. But so we see here Joseph exalted as this picture of Christ. Every knee bowed down to Joseph as he's cruising down you know, Main Street in the, second, in the second chariot. And by the way, I would have loved to see Potiphar's face, right? As he's, as he's forced to bow down before his former slave. It's like, is that Joseph? I, he looks familiar. You know, wouldn't that be an amazing scene? Verse 44, it says, Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphonath Paneah. There doesn't seem to be strong consensus as to what this name actually means. There's a lot of different ideas as to what it could mean. Uh, revealer of secrets was one. God speaks and lives was another possible interpretation. The Strong's Concordance, which is the Hebrew translation, suggests that it means treasury of the glorious rest. It could be. Uh, Egyptian scholars who consider what it might have meant originally in the Egyptian language think it could have meant savior of the age. And there's probably more out there. I don't know. Those are the ones I found. I'll leave the guesses up to the Hebrew and Egyptian scholars, but... It's, what's clear here is like, Zer, what is it? Zephana Panea doesn't mean Joe Schmo. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't translate man of average stature, right? It's, it's a title of greatness. Pharaoh is like, this dude is great. Uh, so, he's so great, you need to just listen to him. Listen to this guy. He's, he's been exalted by the Lord. And it goes on to say, and he gave, Pharaoh gave him in marriage, Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So God is exalting Joseph. He's making his name great in the land. And guess what he does? He blesses him with a beautiful wife to enjoy. A beautiful wife that Joseph is able to enjoy in the bonds of marriage. And this is significant, guys, because just two chapters ago, what happened? Joseph had the opportunity to sleep with a beautiful woman, and he resisted. You know why? Because it wasn't what God had for him. It wasn't right. It wasn't the right time. And by the way, that's how the enemy often works. He wants to give you what God does want to bless you with at some point. 
He just wants to give it to you before you're prepared for it. The enemy wants to give you, fulfill your desires before it's proper time. He did it with Jesus when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Do you remember this? He said, hey, why don't you turn that rock into bread? Jesus was like, no, it's not time yet. Man doesn't live on bread alone. Why don't you throw yourself off the temple and let God supernaturally save your life? Jesus is like, no, it's not time yet. You don't test the Lord your God. Why don't you worship me and I'll give you all the glory of all the land? And Jesus is like, you will? No, it's not time yet for that. Worship the Lord your God. Him alone shall you serve. It was all about timing. Because all of those three things the devil tempted Jesus with were things that Jesus would experience. Jesus would multiply and supernaturally make bread. Jesus would supernaturally have his life given back to him after death. Jesus would be given all authority and dominion over everything. Like those were already things Jesus was going to receive, but it wasn't the right time. Joseph recognized this is not right to sleep with this woman. It's another man's wife. This is not what God has for me. And he resisted and he waited and he honored God. And God brought about the right person at the right time. And so please, let me preach this to you. So many of you, I'm sure, are awaiting a spouse, desiring a spouse. Wait. Honor God and let God honor you in that department. Let God bring the right person at the right time. Just exercise trust in the Lord in this difficult... I was there. It's a difficult season. But trust the Lord in it. Okay? And you won't regret it. You won't. It'll only make it better. I promise you. It only makes it better if you honor the Lord in it. And we see that with Joseph here. So it keeps on going. It says, So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. 46. Joseph was 36 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. I mean, you better believe Joseph was measuring every bit of it to make sure they had enough. And they had so much abundance, Joseph's like, we've passed what we needed for this drought. I mean, we have more than what we need for seven years. God provided abundantly for these guys. God made sure to just blow open the storehouses, pack them full of grain because He's good. Because God God is able to to bring seasons of abundance like you'd never imagine. Joseph's like, I think if we did one-fifth of every, every year, we might have enough to get through. And Joseph's like, we don't even need to count anymore. We have so much. God has provided. But notice... It still required something from Joseph. It required wisdom. It required diligence. It required self-control to not squander all the abundance that they had been given, right? And it's similar in our lives. God will provide. God, God will bless you and work in your life, but there's due diligence on your part. Like you gotta be, you got to be willing to work a job if you want God to help you with your savings account. 
You know, we have to be willing to show self-control and not buy that brand new car just because you can afford that giant payment. It's the size of a mortgage. But hey, it requires wisdom. If you want God to bless you, He can open up the storehouses, but it still requires wisdom and diligence and self-control to really allow God's blessing to last. Right? We see that here with Joseph as he plans. Verse 50, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, which means forgetful, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardships in all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, which means fruitful, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so, so it's just, it's that feel-good scene in the movie where like everything's finally fallen into place. And Joseph's finally getting blessed. And it feels good to just see him walk in that blessing. Like he's got this wife, this faithful wife, and they're having kids. God's growing their family. And they have their first son and he's just feeling so blessed. He's like, I... I forget all the affliction I went through. Life is so good right now. God has blessed me so much. I, I, I just want to forget all that stuff that happened. It's not even worth hanging on to. All that bitterness and all that pain, it's led me to this moment and it's so worth it at this point. And then the second son rolls around. And he's like, man, God has just made me so fruitful. And I want to tell you guys, this is not an exclusive plan for Joseph. This is what God wants to do with you. This is what God wants to bring about in your life. As you seek Him, as you honor Him, as you're faithful through the trials, you might not get to see it like Joseph saw in his lifetime. You might have to wait till heaven. A lot of people do have to wait till heaven. But you will see the amazing eternal glory that God worked in your trials and and sufferings. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 tells us this light affliction... This light momentary affliction, temporary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And when we get to heaven and we see all that God worked about in our trials and our struggles, we're going to be like, what trials and struggles? Look what what I have from that. It's not even worthy to compare, the Bible says. The, the, The light affliction, which by the way, in the context of 2 Corinthians, was persecution and, and death. It was a light affliction compared to this eternal glory that God was bringing about. Joseph's, Joseph's seeing this. He's like, man, I've, just, I've forgotten all my affliction. And God wants to bring that healing to you, to the trauma that you've endured, forgetting the pain, the bitterness, turning your afflictions into fruitfulness. That's what God does. He, he does amazing work. Verse 53, the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph said, there was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt, to Joseph, to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. So everybody was coming to Joseph if they wanted to survive. And 
we'll close out tonight's message, I think, with the clearest picture of Jesus in the life of Joseph. And that's, it's right here. A terrible famine has spread throughout the world and everyone is threatened with death. And Joseph is the man who enacted this plan of salvation. And everyone who desired to live had to go to Joseph. They had to see Joseph. And we've been struck with something way worse than a famine. Way worse than pestilence. Way worse than death itself. We've been struck with this cancer called sin. And the consequence of sin in our life is eternal condemnation. It's an eternal hell. I mean, if you, the, just the thought of forever scares you. Think about forever in torment. It's, it's not a place I like to let my mind drift off to, but I think it's healthy to realize this is what the Bible teaches. And it's, it's, not, it's not a comforting thought, but this is, the, this is the reality. It's worse than dying. And this is the predicament we're in. And the whole world is in this predicament and no one is able to do anything about it with the exception of one. And His name is Jesus Christ. And today, guys, if anyone desires to be delivered from condemnation and from hell and from death, guess what? They have to go to Jesus. You have to go to Jesus. The Bible says there's only one name given under heaven by which we can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. That He is the way. That He is the door. That He is the gate. And no one can enter in except through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Except going to Him personally and doing business. You might say, that's really narrow of you, Sean, to think Jesus is the only way. It's funny that you say that because the Bible says that too. It says that narrow is the way that leads to life and there are few who go by it. But broad is the path that leads to destruction and many are they who go by that path, tragically. The easy path. The path of pride. And tragically, guys, there were probably a lot of people who died of starvation in the days of Joseph. But let me tell you this. All, all who survived, every one of them who survived, did so because they humbled themselves and they went to Joseph. But here's the kicker. Here's the difference between Joseph and Jesus. The bread that Joseph provided left you hungry. You had to go back for more. You had to keep eating bread the rest of your life. The bread that Jesus supplies you with the Holy Spirit and eternal life, you'll never hunger again. Jesus in John 6 said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger again. I am the bread that, come, that came down from heaven. Jesus is the one that truly satisfies. And Jesus is the one that truly saves. No other name. And so, I close tonight with an urge. If you haven't received Jesus Christ, I urge you to receive Jesus to be your personal Savior. To do business with Him. Maybe you've just been playing Christianity. You've been playing religion. Stop. You don't have to. Go to Jesus. Enjoy Jesus. Taste of the bread of life. Drink from the living water and thirst no more. He's that good. Don't be, don't be foolish, guys. Don't be the one who chooses spiritual death because you're too proud to come to the Savior. But receive Him as Savior. Receive Jesus and receive eternal life. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's pray.
And so, Father, tonight we, we read of Your goodness. We read of Your faithfulness. Lord, You did not leave. You did not forsake Joseph. You sustained him, God, through the trials. Lord, You had a plan of provision for him and for his family and for the land and for Pharaoh and for, even for all the people who didn't even know You in the land of Egypt. You had a plan of provision for them because You're a good God who provides. And Lord, beyond all that, beyond meeting these, these physical, temporal needs, Lord, You have thought of provision for all of mankind for eternity by offering Your Son the most prized possession to die on a cross for our sins. And, and in doing so, you've, you've provided the greatest provision that has come from You, which is forgiveness of sins, salvation, the promise of eternal life, the promise of heaven, to dwell in Your presence, the presence of holiness forever. Lord, this is the greatest... This is the, the thing that we were created for. The, the thing that fulfills us is Your presence and You have made all the provisions necessary, God, for us to receive that, to enter into that, to enjoy Your presence, Lord God. To enjoy a relationship. To be fulfilled in worshiping You and exalting You and living for You. God, give us the Holy Spirit. Those of us who know You and believe in You, Lord, multiply our giftings. Multiply our effectiveness to walk in Your will. That we would be filled with the bread of life day by day, doing the will of the Father. That we would hear Your voice louder than all the other voices, God. That we would follow You and serve You the rest of our days and just being filled and satisfied in Christ. And if there's anyone listening to this message who hasn't received You, Lord God, and You're working on their hearts, I pray that they would have the wisdom to turn to You right now. To speak to You in their hearts this moment. And to invite You into their life. Lord, to cut out all the things they know that You don't want in their life. All the, even now, the actions in their life that they're being really sensitive, made sensitive and aware of. That they would purpose in their hearts to turn away from these sins and these actions that they know don't honor You. And that they would, in faith, turn to You, Jesus, and live for You and treat You like You're the Lord of their life. That You would be their Savior, God. That You would save their souls. We thank You for Your love, Your mercy, and Your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words, Ready for Jesus, to 94000, and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you. Tell away.